0: You're listening to a C3 Victory podcast. To find out more, visit us online at c3victory.org.au.
1: Well, good morning, C3 Victory Northwest Campus. It is so nice to see your smiling and slightly cold faces today. Who, who's a bit chilly today? Who's like a bit like yeah 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 yeah? Mark Cowan just got back from how many weeks in Darwin? I could expect you'd be a bit chilly today. Yeah yeah yeah. Have we got any visitors in the house? Anyone kind of visiting Victory for the first time? You're just gonna give, give us a wave. Hello up the back there. This is awesome. Hello. So good to have you with us. Hi guys. How are you? Um, we got some baptisms happening later. More more on that in just a minute. But um. So as we grow, you might find that in this first time before we send the kids out, that you, you, your children may need to sit on your lap so we have more room for adults in the, in the house. And that's a good problem to have because we're going to get a new building, all right? Everyone's pretty happy with that idea, Pastor Keith. That's a good idea. We, we are looking, all right? Just... But for a while, you might need to put your child on your lap unless they're 12. That's awkward. <laughs> All right. Uh, so bear with us as we, uh, as we pursue the next thing that God has for us. Next building. Good. Pastor Keith, can you please come and share a quick word around the offering? That'd be awesome. Yeah. All right. You said quick. Yeah, I did. Quick. Okay.
2: Hey, if I haven't met you yet, you're new here, I'm... Keith. I'm the senior minister over all the Victory campuses and, minist- and ministries. Pastor Janet's at our central campus right now. They're probably right about the altar call right now, so we just pray for salvation, pray for healing, pray for reconciliation in Jesus' name. Hey, next week we're going to be back. It's, it's the kickoff of vision, and we've got exciting things to share. I'm going to be excited. I'm going to dress up for you guys next week, just for you. Just for you. You, you got two too. Okay. Yeah, and we're excited. we got some real great things happening, some targets and some things about growth, and you heard one of them. We are literally aggressively looking for a new building for here uh, because we're outgrowing this, which is a good problem to have, right? So just on the issue of giving, I just want to share with you that giving is a generational uh, truth. It's generational because uh, you know, I heard David Cartledge say 20, 25 years ago, what what leaders do in moderation, followers will do in excess. Let me say it again: what leaders do in now you're a parent, you're a leader. What parents do in moderation, their children are going to do in excess. So here's the deal: the way you give, we believe and trust our kids are going to outgive that. Right? Wow. Let's let's look at it positively. Janet and I, when we were in college studying for ministry, we literally got down to the end of the week with our pay, and we went, tithe or groceries? And We went, you know, we're here studying to go into ministry. God will understand. We need to eat. And we went, "Uh uh-uh, tithe is sacred. You don't touch that. And as Janet said last night, I would rather operate on 90% of our income with God's blessing than 100% without His blessing. Okay, so we always operated in that. Now, here's what happened last week. Our son and his wife in Mackay go to C3 Mackay. They bought a house, and as, as you do, and it happens, you move in. All of a sudden, all these things have to be fixed. They got down to the end of the week, $5 left in their account. And they ordered their groceries, as they do, because they both work, ordered their groceries online, and it was going to be delivered. And they're going, how are we going to pay for this? Because it's getting delivered. They rock up to the door with the groceries, and my daughter-in-law says, ah, we're going to have to, and probably going to put it on credit card or something like that. And they said, no, 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 you don't have to. Somebody's paid for your groceries. This is the deal. You honor God. So in, in, uh, in Luke chapter 6, uh, Jesus uh, is, is giving the Sermon on the Mount, and this is Luke's rendition of it where Jesus is talking about, here are the principles of kingdom people. This is how they live. And in Luke 6.38, he says this, Kingdom people give and it will be given to them with a good measure, pressed down, shaken together and running over. You will never outgive God. Never. As a matter of fact, I'd challenge you to try. We've even stood up in our services and said, If you're not tithing, have a go. And if you do without, we'll give you the tithe back and double it. Don't you cheat though. (laughs) Just because you want that new car, don't you cheat. Okay, give, and it'll be given to you, good measure, yeah. pressed down, shaken together, and running over. God is a God of abundance. Right. He's not frugal. He's not stingy. He's a God of abundance. And we have, we've just experienced over and over and over again where God just abundantly gives. You know how we had to go to mom's funeral and we just had to put airfare on the, on the visa card. We get there the day after. Oh, by the way, funeral's not paid for. You have to help pay for the funeral. And everything came out like that. And then all of a sudden, the church here was generous. We didn't know what was going to happen. Love offering was taken and it paid everything. Give and it will be given to you. Good measure. Pressed down, shaken together. Let me pray for you this morning as kingdom people, that it's not just giving that affects you, but it affects your children and your children's children. So, Father, we thank you for your goodness. We thank you for your generosity. We thank you for your promise that, God, you give again and again and again until it runs over. So, God, we want to be generous this morning. Lord, we bring these tithes, but not just tithes, offerings also, knowing as we release it, not only does what we release have a blessing on it, but what we have has a, has a blessing on it also. So, God, I pray you bless every giver this morning till it runs over and over and over. Thank you for building your church. Thank you for building these families. Thank you for your presence here this morning that's so good, so rich. And we bless you in Jesus' name. Amen. Hey, Amen. see you next week at Vision.
1: Oh, yes, you will. Hey, uh, how good is it to have kids in this part of the service with us right now? It's so good. It's so important that we're able to worship together. And um, it's, it's awesome. They might make a little bit of noise here and there. It's okay. You'll get over it. You'll be fine. It's good. This is what we want. Right? So great. I love it. All right. Uh, we have baptisms this afternoon. Nine people in this room are getting baptised this afternoon. Oh, I don't think I've ever baptised nine people from my own church or campus before. This is awesome. I'm loving this, so great. Uh, Well, yeah, baptism is what got me into the whole thing in, in the first place. I saw a baptism video and went, oh my goodness, I have to serve the Lord. It's true, that's how, that's how God wrote me in. So it's, it's today at 1pm, so we're not going to have heaps of morning tea, we didn't even make any for you. So we're just going to go over to Crowder Spay. it's at the Thomas H. Halton Park. If you put that, it's up on the, it was going to be up on the, it's not there, it's, uh, it's the Thomas H. Halton Park, and if you put that into Google Maps, you will, you'll find it. It's good. Bring a picnic. Bring, you know, stop in at Baker's Delight or Macca's on the way. All you people who didn't come prepared. And we will see you there from 1 p.m. It's going to be great. The whole church is going to be there. Right? Central Campus, Northwest. It's going to be great. Let's do that. Now, as Pastor Keith mentioned, next week starts Vision Month. And I tell you, you don't want to miss this next week or any of the weeks in Vision Month. Because we are going places, people, and we have got some big announcements to make starting next week. So, uh, and if we find a building this week, maybe we can have another announcement. You never know. You never know. So it's going to be such a great week. We're going to be combining with Central Campus on the 23rd of June for a massive Vision Giving Festival. It's going to be awesome. Uh, Now, every woman has a, a special night coming up. In fact, that's this Thursday night. Wow, okay. You have a special guest. Jo Whitehead is coming from Joe Kate Nutrition. She's coming to do a cooking demonstration for y'all, okay? The y'all, are uh, the Pastor keys in the house today. I have to use y'all at least once. All right, thank y'all. Uh, she's a, she's a nu- uh, nutritionist based on the Central Coast. She's a mother of three, and she's passionate about helping people find their zone when it comes to energy and motivation and living a healthy life. I like that idea. I need more energy in my world. Um, and her aim is to help people find what works for them without having to follow a fad diet. <laughs> wow. Who's tried a, a fad diet in the last 12 months? Come on. Come on. Be honest. All right. Yeah, three of you. The rest of you guys. Yeah, come on. All right. So that's this Thursday. Where is it? It's at the Victory Center downstairs, 7 p.m. It's going to be great. And you have to register Either today, you can also register on the website c3victory.org.au. Sign up. You can register via that as well. All right, we're going to pray and release the children. Uh, Kiri, why don't you come up and pray for the kids? Can you do that for us? That would be great. Kids, why don't you stand? Awesome. Thank you. Kids, why don't you stand? I love this. <laughs> Thank you, Lord, God, for your goodness.
0: Thank you, Lord, for our awesome kids, ministers and our awesome kids. Right. Thank you, Lord, for the work that you're doing in hearts this morning, for the connections that you're making, for the, for the awesome foundations that you are building and the life that you are growing in you. Lord, let your blessing rest on our kids and may they have an awesome time, enjoy each other's company and love you more. Amen. Amen.
1: Awesome. Why don't you stand, church? We're going to sing
0: on, let's, let's just raise our hands in this place this morning. Come on. It's His breath. Scripture says that it's in Him we live and move and have our being. So come on, let's just take a moment to cry out. So God, fill me again. Fill me again. We thank You, Lord, for Your presence. Thank you, Holy Spirit. And let's just wait a moment. Let's just take a moment to wait on the Holy Spirit. Thank you, Lord. Thank you, Holy Spirit. Right now. Because every single person, Holy Spirit, just pray and move on people right now, speak to people right now. Fill people up. Just declare peace over people's world, Lord. Thank you, Lord. Thank you, Jesus. let wait on you, Lord. You sustain us, Lord. Thank you, Lord. Thank you, Jesus. This is great. I see God moving on people, I see God refreshing people. Come on, let's just give God a let's just thank Him this morning. Let's just praise Him. We thank You, Lord, for Your presence, Lord. We thank You for Your goodness. Come on, let's give Him a hand. let's give Him a shout of praise. Let's really give Him a hand. We thank You, Lord. We praise You, God. Awesome. So good. How are we this morning? You good? You look good. Turn to someone next to you and give them a hug. Just embrace them. No, don't do that. Shake their hand. Say hello. You can embrace them if you like. Say hello to a stranger. It's great. It's good to see you this morning. I think uh, Northwest Campus always seem a bit more alert because you guys get to sleep in, you get an extra... Hour or so, you get extra time to get a coffee, uh, unless you've got children, yes, uh, here over there, unless you have children, but it is good to be here, we well? We're good. Hey, I just want to say an awesome welcome to Pastor James and Tammy Edwards, who are visiting us this morning from C3 Oxford Falls, they're the campus pastors out there and they're here with their family, James is Jess Cowan's uh, brother, yeah. And uh, so it's good to have you guys. Welcome. Uh, do you we have any other visitors here with us this morning saying, I might not have met people before. It's good to be here. I see some familiar faces, but my name is uh, Simo and my wife, Jess, we're on the team at C3 Victory here and we serve and lead the young adults of our church and uh, we just love it. It's good. We've got two kids, uh, Audrey and William. Audrey is four and a bit and she is... She's innocent on the outside. She looks innocent, but she's she is cheeky. I'll tell you what, she's cheeky. And uh, William, he is nearly two, and uh, he's just a bit of a nugget. And we've got another one on the way, which is exciting as well. So we've got a bun in the oven, which is crazy. <laughs> Talking about relationships, uh, we've been in an awesome series. Who's been enjoying our relationship series? Yeah? Who's been podcasting it? I mean, if you missed any episodes, episodes, it's not Netflix, it's church. <laughs> if you missed any moments, uh, get on the podcast because we've got Central and Northwest. You can kind of hear the whole gamut of everyone talking about relationships. But at the moment, we're in this series called Happier. Happier. And it's, it's about, we're talking about God's plan for our relationships. God's design for our relationships, and relationships is such a, a broad, epic part of our world that it's impossible to kind of talk about every part of relationships in this series. So we're kind of, we're skimming the surface and just talking about the God's values and God's cultures and the kingdom culture for relationships which transcend and spill over into all of our relationships. So we're not talking about marriage specifically. We're not talking about dating specifically. We're talking about all the principles that come along with relationships that spill over to every area of our life. Who loves relationships? Yeah. Come on. Yeah, I know. There. Yeah, there's mixed res- mixed uh, <laughs> relationships. We've got the, the epic highs of relationships, but then we've got the epic lows of relationships. And I mean, relationships cause some of the most joyous, celebrated moments in our life, but at the same time, they can cause some of the greatest wounds and scars and hurts and pains in our world. And God has a design for relationships, and God has a way for relationships, and God has a way to heal relationships. And uh, so we're going to just delve in this morning uh, to what the purpose of relationships are. The purpose of, you know, we kind of think our whole life is made up of these things called relationships. I love Pastor Phil says that our destiny is wrapped up in other people. Because isn't it crazy how you can define the largest moments of your life by either those who walk into your world or those who walk out of your world. Some of the biggest moments in our life is all around people. And it's chaotic and it's tumultuous And it's beautiful and it's great. And God has a design for relationships and specifically the relationships we have with our family and in this community called church. Because this is a family. This is not just a Sunday, come to a place on a Sunday. No, church is all week long. We've got groups. We've got homes being opened up for meals and, and chats. Church is happening all week long, community People gathering together around Jesus Christ, about around our Saviour with one heart and one mind is happening all week long. And God has a plan and God has a reason for that. And I just want to open up with a scripture this morning. I've got a fair bit of scripture. Is that all right? Is the Bible all right? Yeah? yeah? Too much Bible? I don't know. But never. never. Pastor Keith's taught us well. Let's turn to Mark 12, 28. And... Um, some of my slides, I just want to apologize. You, my wife would tell you how good I am with my grammar and my spelling is not good. I mean, I copy and pasted the Bible, so that's okay. All that spelling would be great. But the, uh, the little bit down the bottom that tells you where we are might be a little bit wrong sometimes. Gra- <laughs> Gra- Grammarly didn't help me with that. But, uh, right, it's, it's in my performance review. It's all right. Um, are we there? Are we in the mark? I just want to read it out. It says, one of the teachers of the law came and heard them debating. Debating. We love to debate, don't we? Maybe not. Here's some good relationships there, deba- just debating all the time. Noticing that Jesus had given them a good answer, which was rare. They didn't like His answers a lot of the time. He asked them, of all the commandments, which is the most important? The most important one, answered Jesus, is this. Hear, O Israel, the Lord our God, the Lord is one. Love the Lord your God with all of your heart and with all of your soul and with all of your mind and with all of your strength. He said the second is this. Love your neighbor as yourself. There is no commandment greater than this. How good is that? He's quoting Old Testament, but it's interesting in John thirteen thirty four. he says, a new commandment I give you. This is Jesus talking to his disciples. He says, I'm giving you a new commandment. It's not really new. It's kind of an updated version, a refreshed version. He says, love one another as I have loved you. Not as you love yourself, but as I have loved you. He changed it. He, the bar just got a little bit higher. It's not how much you love yourself anymore. It's how much he loved you. That's why he says it's a new commandment. He said, by this Everyone will know that you are my disciples, that you are my followers, that you follow after to me if you love one another. And so he's changed the standard. He's changed the standard. He's gone, hey, it used to be, you probably heard it all the time, say that love the God, your Lord God, with all your heart, with all your mind, with all your strength— And love one another as you love yourself. But he's saying, no, I want you to love one another as I loved you. And he's telling his disciples this just before he's about to go to the cross. So this is about to get a whole nother layer of meaning when he goes and he puts him, he goes willingly to the cross and sacrifices himself. And the disciples will kind of be like, like everything in scripture. (laughs) They kind of scratch their head at the start. But then after a while, they're kind of like, I see what he's talking about. I see what he meant with how we're meant to love one another. And God's purpose, God's design for relationships in this community, our family, our friends, is that it would reflect the goodness and the glory of God. That's his purpose for our relationships. As it said there, it said, as you love one another, this is how the world will know that you are my followers, that you are my disciples. This is how the world's going to know. Not with like, I love... All the sound and the technology, and how excellent and epic we can make church. I love it. Like, I'm all for it. I mean, the biggest screen we can get, I'm, let's get a bigger screen. But Jesus said, Hey, the way that the world is going to know, the way that they're going to know that you follow me is by the way that you love one another, is your relationships. It says that the church, this family, this community, we're like we're living stones being built up around one another. We're being constructed together to reflect the goodness of God in on the earth. How good is that? Man, I tell you, it's good. It's good. But there's a problem because relationships, we're broken. We're broken. We know that relationships, as I said, have high highs and low lows. And it's fascinating to me that we live in this, we live in a culture that has the greatest uh, availability to information through technology, whatever it is, the greatest availability of information, statistical data, everything. We're at the pinnacle of human knowledge. We're at the peak. We know as much as we've ever known before. I mean, we're we're essentially cyborgs with our phones attached to our hand. No, seriously. We have we if we have a question, we can just punch it in and we get a question straight away. I mean, we're more powerful than probably the United States Secret Service were 50 years ago. You know, we're walking around with the internet attached to our hands. I don't know about you, but it's attached to my hands. It's uh, I confess that now to you guys. But But when we look at the world, when we look at media, when we look at culture, when we look at everything around us in the world, we might have figured out a lot of stuff. But when it comes to love, when it comes to the definition of what love is, it's great Jesus is saying, let's love one another. We need to love one another, and this is how we're going to show the goodness of God to the world. But we need to make sure that our definition of love is His definition of love. And we're living in a culture that has a very different definition of love. Love is this ephemeral thing that slips through our hands, that kind of floats into our world and floats out. We have no control, you know. It just kind of comes and it goes. And love is, you know, maybe it's tolerance. Everyone's got a different definition of love. It might be being passive, not saying anything, not rocking the boat, you know, that's love, let's love them, let's not do anything. But when it comes down to it, it seems like the the primary kind of controlling idea of what love is in the world and in culture at the moment, it's a passive stance. It's a, let's take a role, let's be in the passenger seat, and it's love is something that happens to me. Love is you know is raw emotion and passion and feelings and and I mean, I believe that God has given us feelings don't get me wrong, He has given us feelings to feel passion, raw emotions, but i mean when when we have a definition of love that is only raw passion and emotion and nothing else, and it comes and goes, I think we're in trouble because I mean on one hand, I can say, I love my wife, I love my wife, and then I can say. I love burritos. (laughs) Like, we can see the problem, right? Like, I love my burritos. But I love my wife in a whole different kind of way. But we just use the word love in any kind of way that we can figure out how to do it. And we live in a culture that doesn't have the definition for love. I love pizza. I love coffee. Preach. Preach. You know, it's kind of like when you start dating. Who remembers when they started dating? Do you remember when you started dating? Do you cringe a little bit when you remember when you first started dating? Do you remember Pastor Keith when you... Long time. I cringe a little bit. I cringe a little bit. Um, It was all good, though. I'm sorry, babe. I'm not saying I cringe because we were dating, all right? But I remember those, you know, those kind of early feelings of like, oh, falling in love. You know, you throw this word around like it's just a... Whatever, you know, love, I love this, I love this. But I remember those feelings when you kind of, you fall in love. And I remember our first kiss. I remember our first kiss. It was uh, was pretty good. I'm not going to go into the details. Some people are like, yeah, go into the details. But I remember Jess had never kissed a guy before. Yeah, right? It was pretty special. And she said, Three months. We started dating, we we're friends for a while, she started dating, she said three months, I'm not gonna kiss you, I'm gonna give her three months. She gave me some strong boundaries, she a strong woman, so it was good. And uh, I was like, all right, three months, so I'm, I'm on my, I'm counting down. And, uh, cause I loved her, right? And um, I knew what love was, you know, and uh, I'm counting down and three months come. I'm like, yeah, you know, we we're sitting on a jetty or something like that. And uh, I kind of got a bit closer and uh, built up the courage. And then all of a sudden, it's like she could tell something was about to happen. She goes, hey, hey, we've got to talk about some boundaries. I want to talk about... Some... And I'm like, whoa! Just about jumped into the water off the jetty. <laughs> swam home. That's it. I like, catch you later. I, I went and saw my youth pastor. I was like, text my youth pastor. I'm like, hey, we've got to have a meeting. I've got a serious problem. I caught up with my youth pastor. said, hey... She said three months, and I went to kiss her, and I got this cold shoulder, and I didn't know what was going on. What do I do? do? And he gave me some really, really good advice, some good wisdom. He said, nah, just go for it next time. Don't worry about it. (laughs) How good is that? What a youth pastor, right? So when it finally happens, when, you know, we got our first kiss, first kiss, New Year's Eve or something, wasn't it, babe? Yep. Swansea break wall. On those rocks that are not comfortable. Beautiful. Saw the fireworks. Jess turns to me and she said those words. She said, I love you. I was like, oh. And I had, the response I had was awesome, right? I actually thought, I thought, gee, she's a bit, I don't want to take advantage of this moment. She's a bit, you know, overwhelmed and she might be a little bit delirious in this moment. (laughs) And uh, I said to her, I actually said, I said, love's a strong word. (laughs) Yeah, I did. i got a thumbs down at the back here. Thanks for the support. I didn't know what to do. I was like, you know, it's immature love. It's immature love, but... We all, we all know these feelings, you know, that the world that we, we classify as love, and they're real and they're true, but love goes so much deeper, and the definition of love goes so much deeper as we read scripture than just pure emotion, feeling in the moment, and we, we don't just throw it around like, I love you, I love you, I love you, like when you're 13 years old, right? We grow it and we learn that love takes a whole another level. Uh, one of my favorite uh, musicians, John Mayer. I know a lot of people love John Mayer. He's a great musician. I like it. He, uh, he released a DVD. And uh, DVD sounds really old saying that. And uh, a couple of years ago, and it was a live DVD of his concert, 50,000 People. It's called Where the Light Is. And there's one moment that's really powerful in the middle of his concert. He stops the music and he says to everyone, he says, I've, I've accomplished everything that I've ever wanted to accomplish. Every dream, I've done it. He's like, I'm there, I've accomplished, I've got everything I want. He said, but there's one thing left to check out before I check out. He said, that's love. He's a man who can have anything and everything, but he still doesn't understand or know what love is. So I think we need a new definition of love. And um, in Scripture, we get a definition, thank goodness. Uh, In 1 John 3.16... eighteen, It says, this is how we know what love is. Jesus Christ laid down his life for us. How clear is that? It's like the scripture is saying, here's the definition for love. Right here, this is it. He says, this is how we know what love is. Jesus Christ laid his life down for us, and we ought to lay our lives down for our brothers and sisters. If anyone has material possessions and sees a brother or sister in need but has no pity on them... How can the love of God be in that person? He says, dear children, let us not love with words or speech, but with actions and with truth. Wow, this is kind of controversial compared to our current culture's definition of love. It's not speech, it's not emotion, it's actions and truth. It's doing something. It's, doing, it's taking personal sacrifice just as Jesus decided to go to the cross for us. As He decided the lamb slain before the foundation of the earth. He decided, I'm coming down to build connection with them. I'm going to sacrifice myself for them even if they don't return in response. It's action. 1 John 4.10 says, This is love, not that we loved God but that He loved us and sent His Son as an atoning sacrifice for our sins. Dear friends, since God so loved us, we also ought to love one another. So in one instance, the norm of love is a passive stance on our behalf. In the other, which we see in Scripture, it's an active pursuit of other of people, a selfish sacrifice, of, a selfless sacrifice of ourself for others around us. I love John Mark Comer. Uh, He's a great author, great teacher. His uh, quote in his book, Loveology, is Jesus' life is an example for how to love. It's that easy and that difficult. Because to Jesus, love is serving. It's cleaning garbage off people's feet. It's wiping grime from between their toes. It's choosing, choosing of your own free will to play the role of the servant the least important person in the room. And that is not easy to do. It means making choices that override our selfish feelings, our selfish ambitions, our desires. And we live in a culture that celebrates, build your kingdom of comfort. Build your, your, your kind of fortress of comfort and don't let anything bother that. That's self-care. But Jesus is saying, "No, give of yourself, give of yourself willingly for others without an expectation of return." And obviously, there's boundaries and nuances within that. But it's self-sacrifice is the love that is going to is going to mark the church community. Is going to mark us and show set ourselves a, a separate as an example to the world of what love is, that people would see a community of broken, dysfunctional people, because that's who we are, let's be honest. But how can they love each other like that? How, can they, how, how come they're in unity like that? How come they're for one another despite their differences? And it's going to showcase the glory and the goodness of God. There's an awesome scripture, which I don't think I've got on, on the screen. Okay, is this too much scripture? I, I figure we're in church. Too much scripture is not too bad. Right. Okay. I hope I've got the scripture here. Gee. No, it's lost. I've left, it's left me. Sorry about that. So what does it mean to lay our lives down for one another? What does it mean? I think for some people it might mean that you came to church this morning not because you felt like it, but because you knew someone here needed you to be there. Wow. Sometimes we come to church not because we feel like it, but because we know so is going through a rough time and I'm going to be there because they need me there to stand with them, to mourn with them, or to celebrate with them. They need me there to pray with them. To lift them up, to speak an encouraging word to them. You might come to church and people, you might find out that someone's got something going on in their family. And to love is to go, hey, how can I serve? How can I help? Can I bring can I make a meal? Can I bring it over? Can I organize someone to make a meal? Can I do something to help you? And we start to serve one another in our place of need or stand with one another in our place of pain, and believe for healing, and God to move. That is what it looks like to sacrifice for one another. It might mean just learning to, to focus, and to notice someone, to smile, and to listen. That's just what some people need. That is love. Then when we can stop and sacrifice of our own time, and the thing that we've got in our mind to do, and we can stop and be in the moment with someone, and listen. And talk to them and they know in that moment that they are loved because you're giving them your full attention. It might mean simply buying someone a coffee. It might mean some, taking a visitor, a new person that you haven't met before, out for dinner. It might mean opening up your home, sacrificing of your time, your personal space and your money to say, hey, come over for dinner I'm going to start a group. I'm going to open up my home. I'm going to let people into my home, and I'm going to, I'm going to share some food. I'm going to, spend my, I'm going to put a, something in my budget to make sure I can put food on for people. Come around to my house. It might mean all kinds of things. But as we start to give of ourselves for one another, because this is the definition of love, the world will see that we are His disciples, and we will be a reflection of the goodness and the glory of God. Of God. And you might be thinking, yeah, Simo, that's, that's really good. That's really hard. It is hard. It costs of ourselves. And especially in a culture that celebrates the sovereign self, it costs of ourselves to, to put others above ourselves. But the good news is that we can't do it ourselves, we need the Holy Spirit. We need the goodness of God. We need His example of love in our world to be able to serve a dying and broken world. But as we give out, more gets poured in. There's this awesome quote from C.S. Lewis that I want to put up. It says, Love is never wasted, for its value does not rest upon reciprocity. How good is that? Write that down. For love is never wasted, for its value does not rest upon reciprocity. There's a scripture in John 4, the woman at the well. You might be familiar with it. The disciples go to get some food. It's one of my favorite. And Jesus spends some time with a Samaritan woman at the well. And they come back and they say, Jesus, aren't you hungry? Where's your fill? Like, didn't you get any KFC? Where's your large zinger box? You must be hungry. Like, come on. Self-care, Jesus. And he says, whoa, whoa, whoa. He says, no, my fill is to do the will of the Father. He says, I get filled up when I do His will. My strength and my sustenance and my joy gets filled up when I do what He has called me to do. And that is called to sacrifice of ourselves and love one another. But as I said, we can't can't do it just ourselves. And a lot of us here, I'd have to be silly to imagine that we've all got perfect relationships that we've all got whole, beautiful, God-honoring relationships. Now, the the honest truth is that we're broken people and we have broken relationships. And there are areas of brokenness in our world. There are scars in our life that that are there because of relationships. There are deep hurts. Some of us have closed our hearts off because of hurtful relationships. And to say to give of yourself again is a big call. It's a big ask. I can't can't give of myself freely like that. I'm... And you're in protection mode because you've been wounded. There's hurts. And there's good news. Jesus wants to heal those hurts. Jesus wants to bring wholeness to every aspect of our world. And, um, and this morning, I just want to read a quick story to finish off in John 13. And it's a, it's a powerful image of God's love for us and His example for us. It's where Jesus is washing His disciples' feet. So the evening meal was in progress, and the devil had already prompted Judas. There's a great relationship gone wrong there. And the uh, son of Simon, uh, to betray Jesus. And Jesus knew that the Father had put all things under his power, and that he had come from God and was returning to God. So he got up from the meal, took off his outer cloth, and wrapped a towel around his waist. And after that, he poured water into a basin and began to wash his disciples' feet, drying them with the towel that was wrapped around him. Now this was a servant's task, and this is a powerful image if we stop to imagine this is the God of the universe that created us from the dust of the ground, now cleaning the dust between his creation's feet. God of the universe washing the feet of people. And he came to some Peter he said to him, "Lord, are you going to wash my feet?'t you can't wash my feet." Jesus replied. You do not realize what I'm doing, but later you'll understand. No, said Peter, you shall never wash my feet. And Jesus ended, unless I wash your feet, you have no part with me. And then, then Lord, Simon, uh, Peter replied, not just my feet, but my hands and my head as well. He's like, okay, then my whole body, he's, just, he's all in. He's like chopping ears off. He's like, no, you can't wash my feet. Next minute, he's like, wash my whole body. It's just Peter. I love those kind of people. For he knew... Uh, Who was going to betray him, and that was why he said not everyone was clean. And then he had finished washing their feet. He put on his clothes and returned to his place. He said, do you understand what I have done for you? He asked them, you call me teacher and Lord, and rightly so, for that is what I am. Now that I, your Lord and teacher, have washed your feet, you also should wash one another's feet. I've set you an example so that you do as I have done for you. Very truly I tell you, no servant is greater than his master, nor his messenger greater than the one who sent him. Now that you know these things, you will be blessed if you do them. How powerful is that? This example to wash one another's feet, to get amongst other people's issues and problems and say, like, how are you really? How are you doing really? I'm going to follow you up this week. I'm going to text you. I'm going to call you. I'm going to show you real true love. I'm gonna come over. I'm I'm with you till the end. You know, it's that kind of love. I'm with you to the end. And and this morning, I just I'd love the band to come back up because we're gonna we're gonna spend some time because in this in this picture of Jesus washing his disciples' feet, there's actually there's two kind of pictures in this. It says Jesus is washing his disciples' feet as an example of servanthood and true love to one another. He's showing us an example that for us to love one another, we need to have our feet washed. We need to be washed. We need to experience the servant heart of God ourselves before we can start to love one another truly. We need to experience His love. And uh, this morning, I want to spend some time in worship, but I also want to um, some time in prayer and a response for people because I think... This is such a powerful thing that we can respond to Jesus to say, Lord, wash me, clean me, heal me. Every single one of us have got hurts from relationships, and we need to ask God, cleanse me, heal me, do a work in me, God, because I can't love others until I first experience your love and your grace and your power and your goodness. Fill me up, God, because I want to love others like you have loved me, but I first need to experience your love in this area of my life. So I just want us all to stand this morning. God's plan for relationships is that it would show His goodness and glory to our city, to our neighborhoods, to our friends that don't know Him. But first, we need to spend time in His presence, letting Him wash us so that we can love our spouses, our family, and our friends, and our community well. And that's what we're going to do this morning. I'm going to create a moment where you can just come to God. And hand some things over to Him. Hand hurts over to Him. Hand offenses over to Him. If your heart has become hard, hand it over to Him. You can't fix it yourself. Because He, God, is love. He is the definition that we carry. So let's just spend a moment. I want to open up this altar if you need prayer if you need someone to stand with you and pray with you and encourage you this morning, I just really, I really encourage you to come forth and just say, you know, I'm not going to carry this any longer. I want Jesus to wash my feet. I want Jesus to wash this clean off me because we all have these areas of our life. If there's any area of relationships you need healing in, I just want to open this up for you. But also, if you're here this morning and you don't know Jesus, if you don't know this love You know, a lot of people think that as Christians, people who believe in Jesus, we think we have some kind of moral high grounds. The truth is, we know we have the the moral low grounds and we need a savior. We need someone to rescue us. And Jesus did that for us on the cross. He paid for our sin, He paid for our past sin, and our future sin. He dealt with it all on the cross. And He made a way because He gave of Himself so that He could have a relationship with you. God came out of heaven because He wanted to be with you. He wanted to reconnect with you. So if you're here this morning as well, and you don't know Jesus or you've been disconnected, if you walked away, I'd love to pray with you down the front as well. So I'd love to see you down here if that's you. I don't want to embarrass you or anything like that, but let's just talk about Jesus. Let's pray and see how you can follow Him. But we're going to worship. And as we worship, let's be filled with the love of God so that we can do relationships well. Let's pursue His heart for our city. Let's pursue His heart for our family. Let's pursue His heart and be filled again. And if you need healing, if you need prayer, just come down the front right now and we, we'd love to pray for you. We just want to create a moment where you can hand that over to God this morning. So this is open. Lord, we thank you for your presence in this place. We thank you, Lord, that you want to heal, that you want to cleanse, that you want to make our hearts soft again, Lord. And I just pray this moment as we worship you, you'd fill us again, Father God, and we'd experience your love so we can love others in our relationships. Thank you, Father God. Thank you, Lord.